All right, we gotta be we gotta be a little bit louder than that. Number one, because we're praying heaven would come down. We're praying that. That's our prayer. That's always been our prayer, but that's especially our prayer this year. And we gotta give it up a little bit louder because not every church gets their own vision rap song. And that dude just wrote an amazing I mean. We wanna uh, we wanna see this. We wanna see this. We wanna see come in. We want to see this so badly that we got the best rapper in Boston to write us a song about it. All right. So thank you, Caleb. If you're the best in Boston, you're the best in New England, one of the best in America. I'm just, he's humble. He's humble. I can say that. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, boy. You guys can have a seat. Uh, our kids can head out to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And you can open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Matthew. We will be in chapter 9 this morning. And uh, as you turn there, if this is your first Sunday uh, in Redemption Hill or perhaps just in a while, uh, you need to know that we are leaning hard into the vision that is the prayer, God, would your name be treated as holy, would your kingdom come and would your will be done in Boston as in heaven. This is our vision. And I love that Caleb, I mean, I, I sent him our vision prayer and I sent him our vivid vision, uh, you know, a piece that I shared with you on our 11th anniversary Sunday in October and he cooked up that masterpiece. Uh, so, so encouraging. I just want to, just want to reiterate a few of those lyrics. I'm not going to try to be Caleb, uh, although I'm very tempted, you know I am. You know, if you know me, you know I am. But just this prayer, and this is the, the YouTube link, we, we've got it ready. We're going to QR code it to you. We're going to send the link out. Uh, I, I hope and expect, even if rap is not your primary genre, all right, and I know for a lot of you it is, but, but even if it's not, listen, the, these lyrics and what we're saying have been come down because we need a move. Chains unbound. Look around and you've experienced the, the chains of brokenness in your own life and it's all around us. But chains are unbound because that's what our God does. The law shall be found, but oh, wait, we need it too. Heaven come down because we need to move. See, Father, we just want to know you and experience your presence in everything that we go through. Extend your love to everybody we're close to. Yeah, so true. It doesn't happen if you don't move. I'm not done. <laughs> you see, it'll only be God's grace that'll help us see heaven in the hallways. We're talking about God's move in our living rooms, classrooms, and conference rooms. This is our prayer. This is our prayer. It's going to help us see heaven in the hallways, help us stand tall in the cross space, seeking Yah's face. I've been teaching my kids that God's name is Yahweh. Seeking Yah's face will bring light into a dark place. This is our vision. And this is our vision because this is the vision of Jesus. This is, this is, if you want to know what the vision of Jesus is for Boston, this is his vision. He wants to see the kingdom of heaven touch earth. He wants the, the kingdom to light up everywhere we move. And so we see this. In Matthew chapter 9, once again, I want to read our prayer for you one more time. Again, maybe you've missed it, but we can't hear enough and pray it enough. We're praying in Boston as in heaven. God, this is our prayer. This is our greatest desire. 
in Boston as in heaven. May your kingdom come. You can say amen when somebody prays. That's right. And your will be done in Boston as in heaven. These are not empty words. Make us a church on the move. Not comfortable, but courageous. Move us out with urgent love so that your spirit's presence and power flood living rooms, classrooms, and conference rooms. The blessing we bring, this is putting into practice, the blessing we, this is putting in motion, the blessing we bring will help people see you are real God. You are alive, Jesus. You are unignorable, Holy Spirit. May the beautiful mosaic of Boston fill every Sunday street because these people, Redemption Hill Church, are touching every street. Jesus, we want you here. This is our cry. So we'll say it one more time. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done in Boston as in heaven. And you know this, that it's one thing to pray a prayer. It's one thing to say, God, in Boston, in my home, in my workplace, in this next conversation, as in heaven. But what does this practically look like as we move about our everyday lives? And that's why we've baked into the prayer this, this request that the blessing we bring would help people see. The word blessing means life. And when we bring a blessing to someone, we're bringing them strength. We're bringing them more of the life of God than they are currently experiencing, even if they're experiencing a lot. And so we've borrowed this simple strategy from uh, the Ferguson brothers, their pastors in other parts of the country, uh, where they just created this, this uh, acronym out of the word bless. And these are our blessed rhythms. We've been talking about this the past a few weeks. We're going to begin with prayer. We're going to listen to others with care and concern. We're going to, since we already do a lot of eating, we're going to eat with people and relate with people. But then we're not going to stop there as we're going to see this morning. We are going to serve them and we are going to share the love of Christ with them. Not just with our actions, yes, most certainly with our actions, but also with our and so my goal this morning is to help us absorb the heart of what Jesus is communicating in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 15. And we're going to see how it helps us pursue this vision that we're chasing after this year. So look at these opening verses with me, Jesus. This is about the life of Christ. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The first encouragement I have for us this morning is this. That we would see Boston with compassion 
and expectation. See Boston with compassion and also expectation. What we find here in Matthew 9 verse 35 is what is happening all throughout the gospel, but it's super explicit here. It says that Jesus was on the, guess what? That's right, move. He was on the move. He was moving. In fact, he was moving so much that Matthew, one of his disciples, we talked about him last week, the tax collector that no one wanted anything to do with except for Jesus. All right. He says that he went to all the cities and villages of the area of Galilee. Now, if you think that's a small task, the scholars and historical, uh, you know, scholars like Josephus would tell us that this would cover roughly 200 cities and villages that spanned 70 miles long, think Lawrence to Quincy, and 200 miles wide. That's half the length of Massachusetts. And so, I'm sorry, 70 miles long. This Massachusetts isn't that big. So 40 miles long, 70 miles wide, half the width of Massachusetts. And what we see here is Jesus was moving and then ministry. Moving and then ministry. Moving, then ministry. This was the rhythm of his life. We see it here in verse 35. What was he doing? What was the ministry that he was up to? He would go to one village and he would teach in their synagogue, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then he wouldn't just stop with words, but he would bring some deeds, healing every disease and affliction. And then when he engaged in that ministry, he would move and do some more ministry, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every. Affliction. This was the rhythm of his life. He was declaring the gospel, but then he was also displaying the gospel. And this should be the rhythm of our lives as well. We display, declare, words and deeds, show and tell, serve and share. Jesus is moving, and this is the connection, by the way, between moving and what we see. Because movement enables sight. This is just, just think about, just think about this. Stay home, see very little. St stare, stare at a screen, not making eye contact with people, see very little. Hang out in the incubators that we're comfortable with, known as Christian bubbles. And never get beyond our comfort zones, we won't see very much at all. It's the difference. I mean, we live in Boston, right? It's the difference in riding several stops on the train underground versus walking 17 blocks with your eyes wide open. Jesus had his eyes wide open. He was on the move. He was seeing, and he was seeing to the point of being filled with compassion. It tells us in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, we live in a very crowded city, by the way. If you haven't noticed, there are 755,000 people within five miles of where we stand and sit right here. The crowds. And when Jesus saw those crowds, it says that he had compassion the word compassion, our word compassion comes from the Latin that means to suffer with. The Greek word here literally means to be moved in his guts. Jesus was moved down deep. He was stirred, moved at his 
emotional core. And so Jesus uses the imagery of sheep with his disciples when he's moved with this compassion as he sees the the myriad of needs that all of these thousands of people have before him. He says "These, these people, they're like sheep. Sheep were defenseless and vulnerable animals. And so he describes them with two words. You see it there in the text. They are harassed and helpless. Harassed gives us the picture of sheep who have been attacked or wounded in the dangerous countryside. Helpless means to be cast down, lying on the ground without the ability to carry on. And I think we need to wrestle with this because I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself not experiencing that much compassion down deep in my soul. And I know there's such a gap between my heart and the heart of Christ. Because I think what we find in our emotional experiences is there are two ends of the spectrum, right? There is compassion to suffer with, to feel with. And then there is callousness, which is to not feel at all. And and listen, again, it's not that we don't want to have compassion, but, but we are so busy as Bostonians doing our thing that it's just so easy, right? I, mean, I can identify with you. It's just so easy to not pause and look around and have a conversation and ask real questions and really listen to the needs around us. So Jesus He shows us what compassion looks like. And listen, compassion cuts deep enough to ignite action. That's why Jesus with his disciples, he says in so many words, hey, listen, we have to do something about this. These sheep, the crowds are harassed and helpless. We, We can't just stand here. We have to move. We have to do something. But, but Jesus is, he's pretty smart, okay? I, I suppose he would probably score higher on his math SATs than me. I mean, we can't be sure about that. Uh, but being the son of God, probably a little bit higher than me. And so, um, but, but, but Jesus at least had the math skills to say, hey, disciples, there are 13 of us and thousands of them. So we need to pray. Jesus, we see the visionary leadership of Jesus here. He says what? The harvest is plentiful. Open your eyes. See the crowds. See the thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people around us. But just know that though the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. I have to confess, and I shared this a couple years ago when we looked at this passage as a church. Listen, uh, I often live my life as though Jesus said, the harvest might be plentiful. I often live my life as though I'm I'm saying, God, I really hope the harvest will be plentiful. Like, Like, God, maybe the harvest would be plentiful if we had more resources and a better pastor. Do you ever have these thoughts? 
I mean, hopefully, not, maybe not the latter one so much. You know, it's cool if you do sometimes. I get it. I do too. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> but we, it's like perhaps the laborers are few because those of us who follow Jesus don't actually believe what he said when he said the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. He's given the agricultural metaphor of, of people going out to work the harvest fields. We could say the, 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 the number of patients are plentiful, but the doctors and nurses are few. People are sick all over the place. They're broken. They're hurting. They need healing spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. They, they need to know what I can do for them. But we need more doctors and nurses hitting the streets and filling the hospitals so that the sick can be healed. It's the truth of verse 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That demands, listen, please, it demands the action of verse 38. Where Jesus says, therefore, all right, again, English scholar, maybe not, but therefore, he's saying, because of this, for this reason, because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, he says, pray. We're beginning with prayer. We're so serious about prayer being a mark of our church that we are putting our vision statement in the form of a prayer. I hope you'll show up with fire nights on Friday night. And I know I say it all the time. You're probably sick of Pastor Tanner saying it. And I'm really pressing in this Sunday knowing that I'm going to take my daughter for a Christmas to a Celtics game. And I'm not going to be there. But I just hope so bad that someone will send me a text message with the community center so filled up that you have to overflow into the hallway outside. God, please help us begin with prayer. We don't become a praying people by talking about it or even reading it in the Bible, as great as these things are. We become a praying people by praying. And Jesus says we should pray with earnestness. What he's saying is we should pray fervently. We should pray with urgency. We should pray with passion. Jesus is saying that it's okay to beg God. Beg him. Have you ever been desperate enough to beg God for anything? This is what he's saying. This is so serious. The harvest is plentiful, but, but God is looking for people, women and men, to step up and say, God, I care about this so much that I'm going to pray with everything I've got. And it's okay, we can pray quietly. God can still hear our prayers. We can pray quietly. We don't even have to use audible words. But I just want to give people some freedom in this place. If you come to fire nights, at least every other, if not every one, you're probably going to hear Pastor Tanner pray like he preaches sometimes. Because I care, because I want to see it. And so we pray earnestly, but also, look, we don't just pray with passion. What fuels our passion is that we can pray with confidence because when we pray, we are praying to him who is the Lord of the harvest. He's in charge. God can get the job done. 
And so we come to him and we know that God, as much as I care about this, as much as I care about my friends and my neighbors and my coworkers and the brokenness and the broken systems that, that need addressing that Caleb rapped about, listen, that, that as much as I care about all of these things, God, you care about them more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your heart is to mend what is broken. Your heart is to send out, to send us out into our neighborhoods and workplaces, into the grocery stores and coffee shops with the love of Jesus Christ. God has sent us. Listen, you don't have to be a cross-cultural missionary to be sent by Jesus. If you have been saved by Jesus, you have been sent by Jesus. And yes, we pray that more people from Redemption Hill, from the city of Boston, will go all over the world taking the gospel with them. But if he doesn't send you on mission there, know that you're already sent on mission right here. Ministry requires movement. Amen? Ministry requires movement. Supernatural love that we've experienced, it requires that we step out toward people with compassion and expectation. But then listen, as we move to chapter 10, what I love is this. Jesus and his disciples, they exemplify what we've been talking about, that true prayer pursues the answer with action. If you haven't gotten that yet, I hope you get that today. True prayer, sincere, is pursuing the answer with action. There's no hypocrisy here. It's not, God, move, move, God. But I'm not moving. God, send, send more laborers. But not me. See, Jesus calls his disciples to pray. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest fields. But then what happens in chapter 10? Chapter 10, don't stop reading at the end of one chapter thinking, oh, we're on to a different topic, all right? The chapters and all that, that was added centuries later, okay? What happens here is what the poet Eugene Peterson paraphrases in his version of Matthew chapter 10 when he says this. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. You follow me? Amen? Wow. Like, God do this and now we're going to do this. That's what's happening in chapter 10. Check this out. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them, don't miss this word, Authority. 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 If you follow Jesus Christ, listen, you have authority. You do not carry spiritual anemia inside of your veins. You have authority. You have authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, 
but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying. Hear these words today, church. You have received without paying. Paying. What he's saying is, I have offered you my love and grace and mercy, and you didn't give me a dime. So give without pay. Freely you have received, freely give. And we'll stop right there. First, we need to see Boston. We need to see our neighborhoods with compassion, but not just compassion, with expectation that God wants to move wherever we are. And then secondly, we need to serve people and share Jesus with confidence and love. Confidence and love. We're going to share and serve, serve and share with confidence and love. This is what we see here in the text. Verse 1, when, when Jesus is now teaching his disciples about what it looks like to serve people and minister to the crowds, he calls them to himself, the 12, and he gives them authority. What does it mean to have authority? Authority refers, you might need to write this down because you're probably forgetting and be like, oh, what did Pastor Sanders say about authority? He said, I have authority, not anemia in my blood. That wasn't a nose, but God brought it out today. All right, and so it's like, what does that mean? Authority refers to the God-given ability to move and minister in his power. Authority refers to the God-given ability that he gives to move out and serve people in his power. This is what he does. He gives authority, verse 1, over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. Who does he give this to? He gives it to the 12 disciples named in verses 2 to 4. And then he sends them out saying... You're going to go, right now you're going to go to the people of God, the, the people of Israel. I'm going to send you to the nations later, but right now you're going to focus, the focus of your mission are, are these people here who have heard about me their whole life, but many whom are not truly understanding who I am are living for me. And so I want you to go to them and I want you to do what? I want you to proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I said you don't have anemia, but sometimes you might have a little spiritual amnesia because three weeks ago we said what? Who said the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Anybody remember? Who was it? What's his name? Jesus, that's right. When all else fails and you're in a Bible study or you're in a, you know, a, a, a setting like this, the number one answer is Jesus, all right? Just, just, just pro tip, helping you out here, all right? So, um, so, so. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now that was the, 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 the main message that he was bringing. That was the summary statement of his message. And now he's sending people out with that same message. But not only that, he's sending them with the authority to heal, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to cleanse lepers, to cast out demons. And here we see this love, freely you have received, freely give. So we get confidence from the authority that Christ gives us. But then we extend his love, recognizing that he has loved us so much. How could we not freely give what we have freely received? 
This is the rhythm. Listen, this is the internal rhythm of a Christian. As we move out in ministry, it is confidence and love. Confidence and love. Confidence and love. But then the external rhythm that we live as we move about and follow Jesus and serve people is what? We display the kingdom of God and we declare the kingdom of God. We proclaim it and then we, we, we show it with our actions. We share and we serve. And, and I, I know because I've been a Christian a while and I know how this works in my own life. Usually from season to season, and, and oftentimes this just kind of characterizes our life, where we gravitate toward one or the other. So it's like some people are share people. They are word people. Some people are like, I'm less comfortable over there, but I'm going to serve and I'm going to be a deed person. And sometimes word people can launch truth bombs without actually caring about the people they're talking to. But then deed people can do 1,000 amazing things for Jesus, but never actually give Jesus any credit. You see, we need to learn this. Listen. Words without deeds is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. We, we back up what we say by the way we live, right? Get that? Words without deed is Hypocrisy, but deeds without words is insincerity. Amen? Maybe we're just convicted. It's like deeds without words is insincerity. Why is that? Because we are showing people all of these beautiful things on the outside without telling them what is motivating us on the inside. We are meeting some great needs, which is awesome, and God cares about every single one of them, but yet we're holding back from sharing what can heal their greatest, ultimate, and eternal need, which is the good news of the kingdom of God. And so listen, just a real quick, I don't even know how long I've been preaching yet, but i got to say this, all right. There's this popular, uh, you know, saying attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. So this is a little church history commercial for you, all right. Uh, Preach the gospel, use words when necessary. Anyone ever heard this? Maybe you got it on your fridge or whatever. And listen, that's a proverb. I don't want to just totally take shots at it this morning, but I'm going to take three shots. All right. Number one. No one can find where Francis of Assisi said that. Number two, it's not true. You can't preach without words. And, and oh, by the way, if you think I'm dismissing deeds and only I'm not, I'm not trying to be just a word person, I'll, I want to be a deed person and a word person just like Francis of Assisi who took a vow of poverty to live among and serve the poor And yet, if I can be straight up in my own words, how I like to talk, all right, Assisi was one of the most dangerous preachers the 13th century had ever seen. He would get on his horse, ride from village to village like Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, and he would tell people about the good news of the kingdom of God as much as he would show them what it looks like. We are not called to be just word people or just deed people, just share people, or just serve people, we are called to be 
Jesus people. Jesus people. And so what does this look like? Listen, I want to say this because sometimes we get kind of, I don't know, mental about it. And it's like there's no formula here. There's no formula. Sometimes we complicate things. Well, I got to serve and then I'll share. I got to share and then I'll. It's like, no. Deeds often will validate our words, but sometimes our deeds pave the way for words, right? So so it's both and. It's just as the Spirit leads us. And we serve by paying attention to the, to the needs of people around us. The Fergusons in the book that, I, that we've given out uh, here the past couple of Sundays. Grab one today if you haven't grabbed one yet. Uh, in, the, in their book, they give this framework called Serve RPMs. This is so simple. All we have to do is ask how the people around us are doing relationally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. I can't even get the, the acronym right, but you, you follow me, right? Relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. RPMs. And what we're going to find is, listen, not everyone has the same needs, right? There, there are so many needs. And I know some of you are like, well, Pastor Tanner, there are thousands of needs around me, thousands of people. I don't know where to start. And if you're like me, sometimes you get paralyzed by the enormity of the vision. The enormity of the opportunity. But but I hope I can bring some freedom here this morning, okay? God is not calling probably any one of us to go and perform a thousand good deeds of service this week. But I have a sneaky suspicion that the Holy Spirit might just say, hey, that person in front of you who's going through that unthinkable divorce, who's Lonely to the point of agony. Just ask them how they're doing. Or maybe the, the coworker whose mom has cancer, that the Holy Spirit would say, take five minutes, maybe three, and just write them a note of encouragement. Or maybe the Holy Spirit would say to that one classmate who's searching for purpose and overwhelmed with anxiety, steal the professor's answer key and give it to them. Or start a study group. I just want to make sure you're paying attention this morning. All right. Uh, what, about, what about the person battling addiction? It's great to begin with prayer. We should pray for them. But, but, but I can't wait. I can't wait till I hear story after story of the people of Redemption Hill doing more than pray. Myself included. Like, here it is. This isn't complicated. Go with them to an AA meeting. Go with them. Dude, I went to an AA meeting and everyone's going around. This is my this is how it starts. This is my name. I'm an addict. This is my name. I'm an addict. I'm like, this is my name, and I'm a sinner. I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I did my best. But you know what happened? It spoke to the person that was there, and then God moved, and in the conversations afterwards, it's like, I'm just a normal guy. I'm broken like you are. This is what we do. We need, have needs at a city-wide level as well that need our attention and action. We need to speak up and seek justice when it comes to issues of sex trafficking, racism, and various forms of abuse. We need to consider on February 12th when we, Super Sunday, when we gather food for our micro-pantry at the community center, Lord, that we would fill up that, 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 those shelves so that we can keep restocking it for hungry people in our city. 
Maybe you need to go with Diane Galasso, who uh, often will make her way down to Methadone Mile and just care for people who are really going through it. Offer them a lunch or a listening ear. Maybe you should take a class like so many of our church who have explored becoming a foster parent and have done so. Or volunteer with the Method Youth Center to mentor kids and uh, care for them, uh, among whom depression rates are rising to historic levels. Listen to this. We, we can't do everything for everyone. But everyone can do something for someone. We can't do everything for everyone, but Everyone can do something for someone. And and I just want to say this. Maybe God brought you to Boston. Or maybe you're Bostonian and God is keeping you in Boston, not because Boston is your ticket to a better life, but because Boston is one of the most strategic places in the world where you can serve a diverse people and make their lives Serving breaks down barriers. And as people see that we love them and how we love them, listen, we're going to have increasing opportunities to share the story of Jesus with them. And the story, if you've experienced, you know this, it's just I know it's hard sometimes to get it out, but the story is not complicated. I want to show you a framework that we use all the time at Redemption Hill to equip people on how to share their faith, all right? This is called the three circles diagram, all right? And just, just listen, and you can follow along, you can get even the imagery as I share in 70 words in 30 seconds the gospel message, all right? You ready? This should be fun. God designed a perfect world, and this ain't it. This ain't it. We experience brokenness daily because we've deviated from God's beautiful plan. The Bible calls that sin. We search for ways out of the brokenness through relationships and education and achievement and pleasure. But they never deliver. We need healing through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we turn our lives back over to God, we can experience everything our hearts desire. That's the gospel, 70 words, 30 seconds. And we just look for opportunities where people are experiencing brokenness to say, hey, I get that because my life is broken too. But I found some hope. I found some healing. And it comes not in a and a, and a shot that you can receive at the, it comes through a man, his name is Jesus. I want to encourage you, listen, we talked about this with prayer. I think we talked about this last week with listening and eating with others. Let's get to the place where, God help us, we don't overthink it. We don't have to overcomplicate this. We just take a simple step and we trust God with the results. We take a simple step and we trust God. with We serve someone in the best way that we know how. We say, God, would you do something with that? Or we share. Listen, you don't even have to walk through in 30 seconds the three circles that we just looked at here. Okay? You can simply invite someone to worship where they're going to hear about Jesus. You can serve someone and share why. You can do those thousand deeds but give Jesus a little credit. I've experienced the love and grace of God and I just like to do that for others. Jesus served me when I... You said you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it either. And I need you to serve me just like Jesus, you know. Offer to pray with them and then do it. 
Send them an inspiring verse. Send them a sermon. Send them a song from Oak Boy McCoy and tell them why it resonated with you. Look at, look at cultural events that's happening in our world. Lament the death of Tyre Nichols. And then talk about what biblical justice is all about. There's so many opportunities. I was so encouraged this week, our community group, we, we had a small group this week. There were only 11 adults in the room, um, and usually they're like at least 20, maybe more. But, but as we talked about eating with others and the people that we care about and maybe those three names of people that are on our, you know, just minds and hearts, as we went around the room, 11 out of 11 people had someone in mind that they wanted to connect with, share coffee, a meal, have over, and just love and listen to them and seek to point them to Jesus through their service and through as God leads through their sharing. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, like that's, a, that's, a, that's the prayers that we prayed, those are being answered before our eyes. And we're just one group. And so I hope that you'll latch on to this vision this year. Because I got to tell you, even if Redemption Hill wasn't here and we no longer existed in the city of Boston, the city of Boston needs a move. The city of Boston needs a move. And so today I'm inviting you. Today I'm inviting you to stake a flag in the ground. To stake a flag in the ground and say, Jesus, I am going to join you in your mission as you make moves in my city. That's the invitation. It's, it's there for you to receive it and accept it. To join the mission of Jesus as he makes moves in Boston. Because, because if, if you follow Jesus, I already know, I already know that you have great intentions. But as I said last week, I'm going to say it a little clearer this week. Listen. Intentions flow from convictions that lead to action. Intentions flow from convictions that lead to action. If you follow Jesus, I'm sure you have some really great convictions. This is important. Maybe even more today. The harvest is plentiful. God, you want to send laborers out into your, you care about these people. You've given me the authority. I can have confidence. Freely I've received, freely I can give. But for whatever reason, those convictions that bring intentions don't lead to action. And so Pastor Tanner helped me out with that. Well, well here's, here's how I can help. There's something that bridges our intentions to action. You say, what is it, Pastor Tanner? It's, it's a very important word. We see it full in the life of Jesus. It's called courage. Courage builds the bridge from our intentions to our actions. And listen, I know what you're thinking because I've been there a thousand times myself. 
Yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard it before. Pastor Tiener, I've, I've heard it from you. And I still just struggle. I think this is the key that unlocks the door from intention to action. You need to trade places. You need to trade, I need to trade places. And, And here's what I mean. We live life as if it depends on us and we have to be the hero in the story. But, but as you already know, there's a better hero. His name is Jesus. So let me just take you real quick as we wrap this thing up. Listen, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is from 1 Samuel chapter 14. Where the, the, son, the, the son of the king, King Saul, his name was Jonathan. And the army of Israel was surrounded. And it says that they didn't have the proper weapons to fight the battle. But Jonathan had a sword, and he had crazy faith to say, hey, who knows if our God, being the God that he is, might save by many or by few. And Jonathan's having this conversation with his armor bearer, the one who's carrying his shield and going with him into battle. And the armor bearer says, Jonathan, do all that is in your heart. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. I am with you. And listen, we all need need an armor bearer. We all need an armor bearer in life. We all need some really good friends. We all need people that are going to be armor bearers for us. And we need to be armor bearers for others. But as my good friend Aaron Cavan, the city missionary for our collection of churches, he he said, listen, We so often put ourselves as the hero of the story, taking the hill and having our armor bearer with us. But but guess who is the the ultimate warrior? Who, Who we should become the armor bearer for? It's Jesus. So what might happen in your life if you started praying this prayer, Jesus, do all that is in your heart in this city, I am with you, heart and soul. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking? That whole, that whole bridge that just got, that, that bridge just got built. That, that Jesus in front of you. Je- Jesus in front of you. You better have some courage. Because <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't going down. He's not going down. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, we ask. We ask that you would do all that is in your heart. God, we know that the dreams and the vision that you have for our neighbors, Lord, for the people that we work with, God, just the, the brokenness around us, Lord, that there are things that you want to do. And you're looking at us and you're saying, let's go. And so, God, help us, Lord, even as we pray in Boston as in heaven. And we say, God, make us a a church on the move, not comfortable, but courageous. Lord, move us out, saying, Jesus, do all that is in your heart because we are with you, heart and soul.
oh God, it's you. Put this in our heart. We're confident that the convictions that we have that lead to intentions will ultimately result in action to serve and to share with the people around us. So God, empower your people. Empower this poor man known as Pastor Tanner Turley. God, because I need your strength, God. I need your passion. I need your love. I need your courage. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing together.